Welcome to Emran's podcast, episode number 53. This is your host, Suman Silwal. To know your plan can deviate at any time, so don't beat yourself up over it. I would like to thank those of you who have already donated towards my Boston to Big Sur challenge. Please visit emrans.com forward slash the number 2B to learn more about culturecity.org and links to the donation page. Please consider donating dollar per mile for Boston or Big Sur's or both. Thanks. I'd like to welcome uh, Diane Bolton to Emron's podcast. Diane is a Marathon Maniac Hall of Fame and uh, she has completed 352 marathons and ultra marathons, I guess. Is that right, Diane? How are you doing today? Yes, that's a combination of the two. So let's uh, let's talk about, uh, before we dive in, talk about different things you do. Just tell us, uh, how did you start running or being a part of an endurance event? How did you start and when did you start? I didn't start running marathons. Actually, I didn't start running until I did my first 5K when I was probably, I was 45 years old. And what brought me into the running community was a diagnosis with high cholesterol. It was over 300. And I had called home to see if there was any family history. And my dad said, oh, no, we're all fine. Well, the next week he suffered a heart attack. Fortunately, he survived, but it made me very aware I needed to do something, become more physically fit. So between starting on a little cholesterol medicine and I happened to come upon the YMCA and there was a sign at the door, they were training for their first 5K. I said, okay, it was a sign right then. So I started with their training completed the first 5k and I just thought that was something I could never believe that I even just went three miles so I stuck with that for a while and they had a half marathon training program I did my first marathon in 2007 and it was a not the best experience but because I had already signed up for another marathon afterwards and it was the New York City marathon I got in I went and did that race and it was the most energetic group of people to be surrounded by that it just embraced me and I thought I got to do this again so I stuck with the big races for a while that's what got me into into the beginning of the running were you an athlete before that helped you pick up whatever you do now I was a gymnast in high school and a cheerleader and it's funny because when I go back to my class reunions I could remember sitting there with a group of uh, friends and they said if you told us one person in this t- at this table was going to run a marathon in every state, we never would have looked at you. And I'm sitting, mind you, with a bunch of cross-country runners from back high school that I can't say any of them are really as active as they were back then. So I feel glad that I've been able to continue staying active. Definitely. So you've been very active in running, running community and doing many, many things for running. And um, let's talk about your uh, Hall of Fame. What is a uh, Maniac Hall of Fame? The Maniac Hall of Fame was a goal that I decided to go through. Um, a few different ways to get in. For me, the easiest way to achieve this was to do 51 marathons for three consecutive years. I was totally unaware that they even offered such recognition until one year somebody had said something. Are you going for that? And I, oh, explain to me, what is it? So at that point, I was more than halfway through. I, I just had to continue for one more year. Um, my longest stretch was when I had done seven. 71 marathons in one year. And I was glad to finally get it done and behind me because I really am enjoying having a few weekends off now. <laughs> Did you just finish that, the Hall of Fame, or, or how long has it been? Um, I think it was 2013. Uh, 72 marathon in one year. Uh, that's a that's a lot to go, with, go through. <laughs> um, I barely can do 
10, 13, I think. Even people call me crazy already doing 13 a year. But <laughs> <laughs> tell me how that 72 a year works. And actually, I had just looked up. Um, I was inducted in 2015. So you could just say it's. it seems like it was that long ago, even longer in my mind. Um, it was it was chaotic. It gets expensive. So really, you're better off saving your money. Um, every weekend was go, go, go. And you were thrilled when there was a holiday weekend, say Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day, when you could throw three or four races in a one weekend and kind of bank some of that. So if you needed a rest break, and the main thing was just trying to stay healthy. I just kept figuring I was on borrowed time. Um, as long as I could, could stay healthy, I was going to keep going and give it my best shot. Wow. The borrowed time kind of <laughs> hits home, but, but I guess uh, we all have to think that. But as you go through week, week in and week out, just like you mentioned um, about staying injury-free, I think that's the biggest concern for all of us. And whenever yes. you, you run this much event, it doesn't matter how fast or how slow you run. You are out there every day doing that at least 26.2 miles every day or like you said four time for a weekend that is that a is that a pushing a limit uh, for for me i tell you it really was and what puts it in perspective is when you explain to somebody how many weeks there are in a year and then when you think wait a minute you did 71 there's not that many weeks and then that's when they realize just how often you were you were pounded in pavement. So so to recover from uh, the event to event, is there a special thing you did or you do or you just naturally, now you have figured out that naturally you can do these things? Oh, I don't think there was ever really a, a natural ability. Um, what I found for me was replenishing was the hardest thing because not only are you replenishing what you just exerted, but you're also having to refuel for another marathon and sometimes less than 12 hours. Um, I'm big on the protein before and after, but I'll say one of probably the most therapeutic things was getting a massage. I would schedule those regularly a couple times, a couple times a month. And I really think that and, um, Heat always seemed to work good for me. So whether I could sit in a nice hot tub and get the blood circulating, that seemed to be be a method that worked well for me, and I just stuck with it. So as you are trying to think, I mean, I'm just kind of still focusing on the 72. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just amazed yeah. how, how much you can do in a year. Like you said, there's only 52 weeks in, in a year, and then you kind of able to cram it 72. Um, I'm sure there's more. Some others have done more than 72 in a year, but but how does that whole, uh, you said it gets expensive, but, but trying to go from place to place as you crisscross the country, I guess. You're not staying in the, even in the southeast. You're from Nashville, and you're not only staying southeast. There's not enough marathons and ultra marathons in southeast to cover that, correct? No, you're absolutely right. The logistics was harder than running the 26.2. Any way you look at it, um, some were close enough, be it neighboring states, but still the other ones where I'd have to finish one, say here in Tennessee, race to the airport and catch a flight to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And you just have to hope the connections and everything works out so you can get there on time and just try and have some rest in between. That's a challenge. That, that was what I was going to ask you. Um, how do you manage to just go from straight from the uh, finishing line to the airport and and uh, flying out. I think for me, for me, it's just I have to have uh, up to two hours to just kind of you know relax, enjoy before I start moving around. Right, I agree, and I have found. 
previously, you know, mind you, I was a little bit younger then, um, I would have an adrenaline surge after finishing just because I knew I had that next goal. I had to go. Um, lately now, I finished a marathon and I can tell it's starting to catch up with me. I'm not recovering as quick as I once did. Does that has to do with the lot of marathon you have done or is, is it with the A's? Because if you're fit and healthy enough to go to a marathon all the time, every day, all, all year long, correct? Uh, yeah, so far. I knock on wood real quick that I haven't had any in major injuries sideline me, you know, blister here and there, but nothing major at this point. And I think before my endurance level was, was high just because I was doing so many. And I think that also in turn led me to be able to run faster because I had built that up. Uh, I'm not doing as many as I, I had done. I promised I would cut back and I have for me, but still, when I say, yeah, I, okay, so I cut back from 71 to 50 to 30, that's still, the numbers are still big. Um, and I'm, I, each year, though, I am keeping true to my word. For me, I am cutting back. <laughs> yeah, I have promised myself to cut back and run racing. <laughs> I think in a year, I have done 22 races, including 5K all the way to 100 mile hour. So next year, this year, I'm slowly cutting it back. As I'm getting older, I'm doing other things as well. Let's uh, move forward on this topic. Uh, a little bit talk about uh, this uh, mega list, marathon mega list. I think that's what it's called. I have met, I think you're the second person that I met. Can you talk about that? Sure. It's actually called the World Megathon 300 plus ranking. And in order to have your name Put on this list, you have had to complete 300 marathons or ultras. It's not broken up or divided by marathons or ultras, just the total. And there are a certain set of rules for North America that we follow. And it was based on Tom Adair, who is the creator of the 50 States Marathon Club, where now we've implemented the rules and criteria that are followed with the 50 states, a lot of them where there have to be so many so many finishers of a race. The race has to be announced and publicized within a certain number of months. Uh, currently, right now, I am the representative for North America, and twice a year, I require a request people to submit me their numbers. Some of them we will verify, and if they've submitted a number that has increased by more than 12 since their last submission, I request a list of the races they've done just to verify if they've indeed followed the criteria that's necessary to increase their numbers. Definitely. Um, so how many uh, runners are, are on that list? So for worldwide, the total, uh, there's a, around 600 members for worldwide, and of course, this is including every continent. For North America, we have over a hundred. That's a still a lot, a lot of num, a lot of, a lot of people. I, I think you, you are the third person. I, I think I have met one more person. One is a, one, one person is a pacer, uh, and you also pace, uh, pace as well, correct? Yes, I really enjoy pacing. I love, yeah. You know, that's kind of has that whole giving back type of feel. And typically I'll pace, oh, between four hours and 45 minutes to anything to six hours. And you meet some of the most inspirational people as I ask their stories. And you usually have a lot that they're there for the weight loss or they want to increase their physical ability. But every now and then you do come upon a story that just touches touches your heart deeply. And what's even better is when you return back to that race as a pacer the next year and that person is there after they just completed their first marathon and they come up and they remember your name. And they said, you helped me achieve that goal. I'm so glad I'm still running. There's That's where the high for me is. 
Definitely. I'm I'm a pacer myself. I um, mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of pacing, but but I do go to different events and love pacing. I recently paced uh, Mercedes Marathon here in Birmingham. So so oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I, a great that's a great event. Tell us a story. Uh, some of the some of the great story that that logistic story, a story, a great story that it, that you have as you are trying to go from marathon to marathon or trying to um, achieve your goal. Well, I can remember one event. It was the weekend I was trying to do a triple. And when you're doing things like this, sometimes you bring other people into it to help along the way and share the costs. And I remember after finishing one in. Minneapolis, we were then hopping a flight to Nebraska and then from Nebraska going to Kansas. Flight between Nebraska and Minneapolis was running late. We were going to be catching a ride with another girl once we hit Minneapolis or once we hit Nebraska. Well, when we finally got there, her flight was delayed. So she arrived at the same time and we're walking to the car and it was one of those little itty bitty two-door cars that did not have enough room for our luggage. So there were three of us, three ladies, mind you, you know, each of us probably carried two suitcases full. And the poor lady in the back said, I don't have any more room. And I just could not stop laughing. And I said, well, it's about to get tighter, Carol. I'm sorry. And she, she had arrived with a suitcase in her lap the whole way. But those are the part of the fun enjoyment, I guess, you have to learn and live through. Um, right. You look back on these things later and you can't help but laugh. <laughs> Part of the things you you do and all the things you have done so far, what was the hardest part? Um, what 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 were your struggle during those time? I tell you, um, as far as races that were the struggles, of course there was the races with the heat. It could be the easiest course, and it didn't matter that heat would take me down. And just to know I had to keep on going was difficult. There was another one in Rhode Island where you had the nor'easter come, and I'm a mediocre runner, and when I found out that some more elite runners that I had I had admired, they'd bail at the half, and I thought, if I had seen them stop, I know I would have stopped too. But I just did not want to go back to that state, and I just kept on going. It was probably 40 degrees, and with the wind chill and the rain hitting you in the face. So persevering through some of those experiences, yeah, I look back now going, I can't believe I did that all just to say I finished that state. But running has brought me other opportunities besides the pacing. Um, last year, I was asked to crew somebody for bad water, and that was an experience of its own, too. I was really glad I had that opportunity. You talk about um, physical aspect of uh, of doing what you do. What's the mental aspect of this? Um, you got to be tough mentally to do what you do to try to achieve these goals day in and day out how it is for you on on those mental aspects i would say hands down the mental is harder than the physical anybody can accomplish a few miles under the belt and keep on going but to have a little mental toughness and i said you know what's wonderful about that is you don't need it just in running you need it in everyday life for everything um sometimes you still struggle with that depending on the situation. And every event is different. And no matter how many I've run, I always come back with a little more knowledge. So for you, is it, as you go progress, everything makes you tougher and uh, try to achieve more as you go forward. Is that how it works mentally and physically for you? I, I would say so, very much. Um, or if you dig deep down and you think of something that might be a little more traumatic or somebody else is suffering, you realize you can pull strength from that 
And some of my toughest races, when I realize I struggled and finished that, I I used that in my memory bank. One event, I was out for a very long time in the heat, in the sun, and it was an ultra and saying, I've been out there for almost 10 hours, so I know I could be on my feet for that long. Just keep going. Wow. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, is there a moment um, on, on this journey that you, that you have set set forward? That's it. This is it. I can't do this anymore. And um, or or it's, it never have has occurred to you. Oh no! I'll say sometimes it's that within those first two miles, I think, okay, this is it. I'm tired of waking up early. What am I doing here? I start thinking of all the things I could be doing instead. I'm out here, but. That pretty much dissipates you know, once you hit mile six, and then you just have fun with it. And how I embrace marathons, everybody has their own way. There's no right way or wrong way, which is why I really enjoy the running. Some people do it for speed. They're always looking for PRs. Some do it for the travel. I, you know, I'm just having fun with it. And a lot of times I'll take my phone with me, and I'm taking pictures. And the little kids out there giving you the high five, it makes their day. Then um, uh, you you live in Tennessee. There's a Vol State 500, five hundred five 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 hundred k kilometer, and and uh, you have crisscrossed that state. Tell us about your experience with that. When I first heard of the race, the last annual Vol State, I really took it literally that it was the last time this was being offered, and I didn't follow it much. I really knew very little about it until somebody had plugged in my head, hey, you could do this. So I decided to do it as a relay with another gentleman. And at the last minute, he backed out and decided he was going on his own. And I thought, well, I'm done. I have no business. I can't compete or do 500K by myself, which is equivalent to 314 miles. So somebody had said to me, actually Phil Mins called and said, hey, I heard you were doing Vol State. I explained, no, that fell through. Two days later, I received an email from him, and he said, you're doing Ball State. I freed my schedule up. I'm going to crew you. And nowhere was I prepared at all to tackle that. And I thought, you know, I'll regret it if I don't sign up. So I said, okay, Phil, as long as we have no expectations, I don't know if I'll be able to finish it. I don't know how long it's going to take. So there was no pressure. I said, but my goal is to show up. So we showed up. Neither of us had done anything of this capacity before. And it's brutal because you start in Missouri, cross over into Kentucky, run through the whole western part of Tennessee, into Alabama, and finish in Georgia in July. And the heat here in the south is not kind at all. And I know my situation between the sun and the heat, and um, that, that was my nemesis right there. Phil and I started out. And he just had, he did wonderful by reminding me every single day, it's still early. It's still early. Don't, don't push it yet. Without his guidance, I never could have completed that. So we did complete it. And I think it was in seven days. So I'm thrilled to say I didn't need all 10 days to do it and came out. You learn an awful lot about yourself when you're out there on the side roads. There's no aid stations for this event. You're just out there just going forward for 314 miles. I'm glad I had the opportunity to do it, and I'm hoping to go back and crew this year. Wow, what a great story. Ball State in July by herself running 500K. Um, tell us about, um, I really, I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what motivated you to keep on going, even though I know that you had a sport from Phil, but you have to have something coming from inside of you saying, I want to do it. 
I had heard from a few people who had done the race and listened to their stories, and I just knew I will never get enough knowledge to complete this because, frankly, Phil and I decided to do it. We had a couple weeks to prepare, and my whole goal was is I'd regret it if I didn't show up. So showing up was number one. The second thing I told Phil is we have no expectations. I don't know how long this will take me to do. You were given 10 days. I may take all 10 days or I may drop during the first day, but I did not want to be the first one to drop. So no matter what, I was going to push through and keep going as long as possible. And I really used a lot of his guidance. The other part that was very difficult for me was when I run marathons, I'm usually high-fiving the kids and feeding off the energy of people on the side or co-runners. There aren't many, if any, on these on this event. You're by yourself for long miles, dodging the cars that are coming at you, and it's a lot of alone time. So finally, the one day I said to Phil, Phil, this isn't how I run. He knew exactly what I was saying because the next day I'd run a few miles and I'd look up and there was Phil with the camera. And then it started getting fun. We found the funniest places to stop just along the course. And he's very witty. And the little ad lib stuff he would add on some of these pictures. So it's a neat little photo album of things and going into restaurants and dressed all sweaty and smelly with running clothes on. And I'm laying on there with my legs up the wall while other people are dining. They didn't seem to mind, luckily. And nobody really questioned it as we bring the foam roller in. <laughs> um, but I just had to see what I had in me and how long I could go. And having somebody there to crew you really helps because when you're hitting a low and you could vent a little bit, whether there was any conversation back and forth, just knowing you released it to somebody who heard you, whether they understood or not, Phil would just nod and like, yep keep going. It was wonderful. But and then to finish it and realize what you had just overcome, the weird things that you saw along the way, there was one stretch where you're coming upon a home and I could hear screaming. And then you could see the wall being pushed out and the person got in the car and tore off. Well, you leave with that in your head thinking, where am I? Because some of these areas weren't the safest feeling, but you would leave and think, okay, I just got to keep going. I don't know what just happened in that in that house. Um, (laughs) But we're we're going and Phil would co- come back and he would see little things along the way too. It'd be the dogs. If he saw a stray dog, he was always coming back and making sure I'd get through that stretch. So it'd be very difficult as a lady for me. I would not want to do that race uncrewed. So I'm really glad that he was with me and guided me on a lot of that. And he was concerned about my safety first and foremost. So I didn't have to do any of the thinking. He did it all. That's great. Great to have a friend to go along, correct? Yes, yes. That's the things <laughs> friends do for each other, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and there's always an enabler and trying to enable you to do things. And, and in your case, sounds like a Phil was that. Um, I never would have known about the race had he not mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a desire to run such a such an event, but hey, hey, you never know. <laughs> we we talked a lot uh, about different things. Let's um, let's start our Sprint round, I call the sprint round where we talk. Uh, I have different, I have multiple questions, and I may we may be able to learn about you a little bit more. You can go long or short on this one. Okay. Are you ready for a sprint round? Um, I'm ready. Uh, what type of shoes do you wear for your events? And amount, and for you probably, how many pairs of shoes do you go every year? I mean, you know, amount of racing and running you do probably do go go with a lot. Yeah, I've I run I have three different to go to shoes. I'll have my Hoka's, 
And currently I'm wearing Mizuno uh, Wave Riders. And there's been a few races I've actually done in my Tiva sandals, which has been an amazing surprise. I love them. Do you use any GPS device for your run? Not typically. The only time I will is if I'm pacing. But even then, I've had I've taken a fall while I was pacing, and I broke my Garmin. And luckily, I always have my good old Timex watch that's got me through almost every race perfectly. Even pacing, you don't use a GPS watch device. I have it with me. I don't always. That that was when I fell the one time, and my Garmin broke. I think we were just coming on the 13th mile, but luckily I always have the backup Timex. And the ironic part about that is we hit our goal with 10 seconds to spare. And my co-pacer and I won an entry into another race because we were the closest to the pin. And she did not have a Garmin of any kind. She was banking on me. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I do a combination of a Garmin and um, the watch and and ask people around me to make make sure I'm I'm honest to my pace. So... Right. Uh, so they will tell you you're going fast. I tell them so. Oh, they do. And yes. So make sure you slow <laughs> me down, you know. Um, all your events and trainings you do, do you only do the road, trail, both? What what kind of events do you do? I enjoy both. Uh, lately, I've been doing more trail ultras, which I really find I, I embrace that whole atmosphere, plus they feed you better. I've laughed the first time I did a trail ultra and people are leaving with sausage and biscuits and pizza. I thought, wait, what is this? And uh, so I really, I really do enjoy the trails. Yeah, you should come down to some of some of our trail races. We we feed not only we feed, we drink and we we're, there's a party afterwards. So yes, do, are you a downhill runner, or a racer, or are you an uphill climber? What what kind of things do you like? Or you like flats? I like a more diverse course. For me, I just feel it allows me to work different areas, and sometimes I'll walk up walk up the hills. So I think that little bit of a break helps, and I'll I'll take the downhills just because it's easier to run down it um, than try to fight it. So I'm I don't enjoy a flat course as much as I like something with a little little bit more rolling atmosphere. Yeah, rolling rolling hill is probably that's what I like because when I'm slowing down, it helps me to slow it down. When I'm when I want to go fast, I can just take it fast. So, do you uh, follow any training plans for for your um, your adventure? Uh, that's how I was to call it. Or you just go by week by week without any training. I mean, in between, do you or do you run anything in between your races? Yeah, typically I'll run two other days a week. And how I began all this was running it the Galloway method. And they had told me three days a week. If somebody told me how to do it five days a week, I probably would never have started running. So I am now coaching at the, a lot of people to do their first 5K, half marathon, full marathon. So I'll run with them two days a week. And it could be anywhere between three miles to now some of them are training for country music. So um, they're up in the higher double digits now. So I'll run a little bit two days a week with them. And then typically now I'll say maybe every other weekend I'll have a marathon scheduled. So that'll be my long run. Next question leading up to what I ask is what kind of nutrition plan do you follow? Is there anything you do different going from marathon to marathon or even during your training cycle? I used to be a little rigid on 
the nutrition plan, I still dealt with the, you have to get the carbs in and get the protein in. Now I kind of wing it. You know, I'm not as nervous now if we pull up to a restaurant and they don't have, oh, spaghetti and meatballs or chicken parmesan. I can pretty much do anything. There's times traveling too on the road, you might be in some of these small towns and there isn't much to choose from. So I found getting a baked potato, say you could even find that at Wendy's and that's gotten me through a marathon or oh, a bean burrito at Taco Bell, Taco Bell afterwards so you get that recovery. Um, <laughs> but I really do like the protein afterwards. Got you. So that way you recover your muscles faster. Is that how that works? Yes. Yes, exactly. And um, lately, I've, I've been looking around. I usually used to go to pizza places, but lately, I've, if I'm traveling by myself or something, I'm looking for a takeout Chinese place. So that's a kind of new new diet for me. I'm not only focused on one thing. So um, what about hydration? You you mentioned that you know you you hydrate yourself continuously. Do you use any special hydration plan, or or just drink water and Gatorade and whatever you can find? I'll drink typically what's on the course. I haven't had a, a reaction with any of them. So I always carry a water bottle of my own just in case there's that event you go to and they run out of cups. And you, you hear many that run out of water when they're hot um, because people will be running by. They grab them. They're throwing the water down their back, over their head. And that leaves the runners towards the back without water or cups. So I always have a cup. I have a make of whatever they have on the course until I might need it and there's not an aid station close by, or and then I'll refill when I can. Um, but no, I, I'm not strict about any one particular beverage. Definitely. And what about after after your race or event? Uh, what kind of hydration plan do you use? You know, do you, do you, I mean, you have to drink a lot, correct? Do you, do you use a lot of electrolyte, Gatorade, Powerade kind of thing, or just drink water? No, I'll grab one, a protein drink. I always grab a protein drink, and then later on, a nice cold beer really tastes good. <laughs> and like I said, if you come to trail running, we drink beer heavily. <laughs> Maybe uh, that's why I enjoy them the most. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Out of all races you have done, what, 352 marathons and ultra, what is your favorite that stick, st sticks out, or more than one maybe? Uh, what is your favorite yeah, event? Yeah, there are quite a few that stick out. Um, you know, for a big race, I always thought Marine Corps is fabulous, but the small ones, I love the charm. And there was one race that was an accident that I found it. I had a airline ticket I, that was about to expire. I've had to find somewhere that had a race that traveled where that airline went to. And I came upon this race called Do Whack Do. And it's out in this little town of Eric, Oklahoma. And I'll tell you, it's a it's a great trail. It's not that technical at all. You just never know what the weather's going to be like there. It kind of felt like a desert setting. But the race director was fabulous. Everything about it afterwards, they just had their guitars and sat by a campfire and sang. And um, that one will always be special to me. As well, another race called Kings Mountain Marathon. That one started in South Carolina after... I was about to finish my 50 states in 2010. The Myrtle Beach Marathon was canceled the night before because of a little snowstorm. So I wrote to every race director in South Carolina to see if they would allow us to do a race um, to double their half marathon. There were no full marathons. And I was set to finish my event, my 50 state finish in June. 
So I had to squeeze South Carolina in somehow. So every race director said no, except for this one, Jefferson Nichols. And he said, I'll create one for you. And that he did. And it was a Kings Mountain Marathon and it's still going on today. And it's a great little event. He went above and beyond. And I'm thrilled to say he's got a lot of a lot of people that have finished there now. Definitely trail race director. They always go above and beyond. I know a few of them. So. Yeah, it's nice when you do have somebody who is a runner themselves and they make these marathons for the runners because their their hearts involved and they don't overcharge the entry fees. And one I just did was in Arkansas. Uh, David Edwards put one on the local marathon. And I think it was a $20 entry fee and everything he had, he had the official timing. You had chips on your bib. The food was plentiful. There was music and there was free pictures. Uh, he did it. He did a fabulous job and I really appreciated that. Maybe we need to put that in our calendar. So yes, absolutely. Um, you have, like I said earlier, you have done 352 marathons ultra. Is, is there an one event that you have not done that you like to go or have you done it all? Oh my goodness. There's so many I still have yet to do that are on my <laughs> list. We could be here all day. <laughs> Let's pick one. Yeah, one, one event I'd love to do is Rim to Rim to Rim, the, the Grand Canyon. I don't know if I'll ever get to, but another thing I really want to do is I still am lacking two continents to finish. So I still have to go to Australia and Africa. So I'll have to say getting to those two continents would be high on my list. Definitely. Diane, we have come to the end of this interview. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Before we finish this interview, I would like you to give a word of advice to people, runners, um, beginner runners, runners like me, uh, go above and beyond to, to accomplish a uh, marathon journey and, 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 and find the limit, um, what you have done or what you continue doing now. Give us some more advice, what we should do or what we should not do. I say the number one thing to do is to know your plan can deviate at any time. So don't beat yourself up over it. Um, second thing would be be prepared for any kind of weather. If you're traveling to one, always pack pants and shorts because you never know what's going to happen. Um, one of the best accessories to always have with you is something so small but is multi-purpose. And that will be the little tubes of chapstick that many of these races hand them out. But it could be used as sunblock. And there's times I've had to call, use that. Um, it can also be used if it's a very windy day. So for wind, wind burn prevention, of course, chafing is another thing. And I have handed out my chapstick many a times to people as a gift to them. That is not, I don't want it back after they've just put it all over. But those are just a few of the little things that I try to live by. And again, the biggest thing is knowing there can be a change at any minute. Accept it. Right, yeah. It, life brings a lot of change, and uh, running a marathon or running an event, it also brings a lot of changes in life. Great, great advice. Uh, it has been a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you coming down to Alabama, or I'll, I'll come around Nashville and run some of the races over there. Oh, I welcome you to join me anytime. It'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of M Runs Podcast. Please subscribe to M Runs Podcast channel, Voice of Runners. Also, Follow mruns.com's social media handle, Marathon Runs, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for recent updates, photos, and more.